You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. Well, an invitation is a powerful thing, and Shelly and I figured that out this week. Um, we had gotten invited uh, by some friends to go to Vegas. Now, that sounds like a good invitation, right? You're like, oh, no, we don't need our pastor going to Vegas. Well, um, these friends of ours actually are doing a residency in Vegas for a few weekends over the course of the end of last year and this spring, and they said, why don't you all come along, um, and we'll pick you up on Thursday morning. And we're like, okay. They said, yeah, we have to come through Atlanta. So we'll fly through. We'll pick you guys up. You'll jump on the plane with us. We'll go to Vegas. You'll stay with us. We've got this penthouse that they put us up in during the residency there. It's a three-story penthouse in this hotel. So you go up in an elevator to the penthouse, but then in the penthouse, it has its own elevator for the three stories in the penthouse. It has two butlers, has all the stuff stocked in it you could ever want. It has an amazing indoor-outdoor pool in the penthouse, it has a sauna, steam room, a bowling alley, a one-lane bowling alley in the penthouse. They say, you'll stay with us. The whole thing will be amazing. We'll go to the show. There's going to be a reception on one of the nights that Garth Brooks is hosting, and you'll get to come along with that. That'll be amazing. And we're like, yeah we're available, you know? And then all of a sudden, we meet these people in D.C. last week. We go to Passion City, D.C., where they were our people. We meet these people, crazy circumstances. I don't have time to tell you. And they said, so we, meaning we, they're big North Carolina university people. They said, we're in the Sweet 16, as you know. So that the, and they called in this week and said, do you guys want to come to Philly for the games? We're playing on Friday night. And if we win Friday night, we'd be playing on Sunday. And I said, well, I don't know. We can't come on Sunday because I got to preach on Sunday. But maybe, uh, you know, I'm not done working on my talk yet. So I don't know if it's going to be worth coming for or not. So we'll see. And they said, well, we'll come through. Apparently, a lot of people can just come through and pick you up. More people than I knew. They said, we'll come through, pick you up on Thursday. We'll fly to Philly. And, uh, and if necessary, we'll fly you home on, on Sunday. If we stay and we're playing Sunday and they are staying and playing Sunday, we'll fly you back home and then the pilots will come back and then we'll go, you know, after the game. And like, what kind of world is this? It's, oh, by the way, in between the games, we're doing a reception to honor uh, Coach Roy Williams, this legendary coach of the Carolina, and it's going to be at the Liberty Bell, like around the Liberty Bell, private dinner, and Michael Jordan's going to be at it. I'm like, wait a minute, we're supposed to be going to Vegas with these people, staying at the penthouse while they're doing their concert, and now we're, and then Shelly said, we can't do that. We can't go to either one. Willis, our pet hamster, already had a play date on the schedule with his <laughs> hamster friend Jethro on Saturday morning. <laughs> That's Willis on the left. 10 o'clock Saturday morning. It's been on the calendar for like three weeks. Play date. So no Vegas, no Philly. We just here with Willis. <laughs> but it was amazing to be invited. That's the power of an invitation. The invitation's powerful, A, depending on what it is. So that's what we immediately think. What is it? Do I want to go? Is it that big a deal? Is it cool? Is it not cool? Secondly, the invitation is, is powerful because of who invites you. Because you'll go to something you don't want to go to if the right person invites you. 
but you're not going to go to that if the wrong person invites you. And an invitation's powerful if you can go. If you don't already have a play date scheduled for your pet hamster and you're available and it works out, you can go. Invitations are powerful and we all want them. We just want to get invited to something, amen? Now, there was no Vegas in our story, by the way, and there was no Philly, and uh, we weren't going to dinner with Michael Jordan, I'm sorry, and uh, we don't have pet hamsters, so let's just clarify all that. Um, I'm just trying to get you to kind of lean in with me a little bit so I can tell you something incredible. Yahweh, who is the Lord of hosts, he is a maker of heaven and earth and the creator of everything that exists, including you. He is the one who holds history together and ultimately will bring everything to his conclusion. He's the smartest, wittiest, funniest person you've ever been with. He's the most caring and compassionate and loyal person you've ever met. And he can flex any moment he wants and raise people from the dead or heal people, or move things, or change things, and he is inviting you to come and sit at the table with him. And I'm not kidding you, we tell him, I'm sorry, Willis has got a play date with his hamster buddy Jethro. We're not gonna be able to make it this time. But, but it's incredible to be invited. Psalm 23, we talked about it a few months back when we released the book, No Seat. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Psalm 23, verse five. You meaning the God of all creation, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, you are inviting me to sit down at the table with the king. When we release Don't Give the Enemy a Seat, we talked about who we don't want at the table. We don't want anxiety, fear. We don't want all these negative thoughts, these negative voices at our table. And that's true. But the flip side of that is who do we want at our table? And for sure, we don't want the enemy, capital E, enemy at our table, but for sure, we do want Jesus at our table. And so for these few weeks together, and hopefully you'll join me for the next few weeks together, we want to be at the table with Jesus. And we are releasing a resource of that title, At the Table with Jesus, and the subtitle says, 66 days to draw closer to Christ and to fortify your faith. In other words, it's not enough that you try to fight or I try to fight against the negative thoughts to try to protect the table of my mind from what the enemy is trying to put in there. It's more important that I invite Jesus into the, into the moment, that I accept his invitation to the table, and that I sit down with him consistently and build truth in a relationship with the king of the universe. You're like, well, why is it 66 days? That's a, a weird and random number because in 2009, a research paper by the University College of London said that it takes on average 66 days of repetition to form a habit. 
we kind of got it just stuck in our, you know, normal, you know, stuff we repeat that we picked up somewhere that it takes 30 days to, to change a habit, but that's not actually the science. And so if we follow the science, we hear that phrase all the time now, if you follow the science, the neuroscientists are telling us on average, it takes 66 days for you to form a, a new habit. I was talking to a neuroscientist a few months ago and she explained to me how this works. And I'm not kidding you, it blew my mind, no pun intended. She was talking about neuropathways in the mind and how there's countless neuropathways inside every one of our minds. And the neuropathways are formed by thoughts. So when you think a thought, you're starting a path. Imagine that you live out on some land in the country and you've got pastures and a creek and a house and a driveway, but occasionally you'll take a walk and you'll walk down the pasture and around past the creek and kind of circle around by that tree and then back up that hill and then back up toward the house. And if you make that path long enough for the cows in your pasture make that pathway, some of you country people know what I'm talking about, down to where they drink out of the creek and they form a path and they walk on that path every single day. If you have a vehicle on this land and you drive a certain way, then you're getting two car tracks. And if you drive on it long enough, it turns into a little dirt road. If you get real serious about your little dirt road, you can put gravel on it and make it a little more substantial road. And if you really want to get committed, you can pave that road, right? And if you want to just like go all in, you can build a highway. And that's what we're doing in our minds every single day. When you think a thought, positive or negative, you start walking through the pasture of your mind. If you only think at one time, it's just footprints in the grass, they don't last, they go away. But if you walk down that same path again, and then you walk through that same path again, you walk down that same path again and again and again and again, there's a little dirt trail there, and now you see the dirt trail, so it's drawing you to the dirt trail. And the more you walk on it, you put gravel on it, and then you pave it, and then you build a freeway in your mind. And in 66 days, this neuroscientist is telling me, this, in 66 days, Louis, you can build a road in your mind, a neural pathway in your mind. Well, how would that work? Well, it works like this. Say someone told you somewhere along the way in your life that you don't matter, that you're not valuable, that your life doesn't count. Maybe they told you that God doesn't love you. Or maybe you just somehow got the enemy at your table and he told you, you don't matter to God. And you went, you know what? I've never mattered to anybody else. And so I, I don't know if I matter to God or not. Probably not. I've got a lot of stuff in my story and I don't know if I matter to God. And as soon as you thought that thought, you put footprints in the pasture of your mind. If you thought that thought again, and again and again and again, you got a little dirt trail in your mind that you've been going down now because you created the pathway for the thoughts to travel in your mind. I don't matter to God. And if you've been thinking that for a couple of years now or living that out for a while in your story, you, you got guardrails and a freeway in your mind where big semi truck and trailer are coming down regularly saying, I don't matter to God. But here's the thing. Are, are you ready for this? You are not stuck as you are. So the subtitle of this book, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table, thanks to Shelley, says it's time to change the way you think. 
Now that sounds like some, you know, rah-rah book that you're going to find on the self-help aisle in the bookstore, but it's not. It's real. And you have the power to start right now thinking a positive thought about your life. You're like, yeah, but I've always had a negative attitude about this. I know. But right now, today, you can start thinking a positive attitude about it. Well, somehow I just believed that lie and I've always perpetuated that lie and now I got a paved road in my brain of that lie and thoughts just travel down that road. I can't seem to stop them. Today, you can start a brand new path in your mind. You can change the way you think. You might not can change your whole life between now and 66 days from now, but you can create a new pathway in your mind by believing what's true. For example, you could wake up to the revelation that Jesus Christ gave his life to invite you to this table, that he has got the scars to prove it, that he took on your sin and shame, that he traveled from heaven to earth so that he could invite you to a table with the king of kings. And there is a cross in the story that defies every reason you can come up with to believe that you do not matter to God. And you could have an awakening to that. You could somehow have a light bulb go on in your mind and say, you know what? I'm just going to step into that truth and I'm going to actually repeat it and I'm going to say it and I'm going to stand on it. I'm going to believe it. I matter to God. Now, I didn't matter to them and I didn't matter to them and I'm not sure some days I matter to me, but I guarantee you I matter to God. Jesus has proved that I matter to God. In fact, I'm going to put that on a card and stick it on my mirror. I am going to repeat it every hour of the day. I am going to go to bed and when I go to bed at night, I am going to say, I matter to God. I didn't feel like it, but you know what? I'm I'm not living on feelings. I'm not making a pathway on feelings. I'm making a pathway on thoughts and thoughts determine feelings. So I'm going to think what is true right now. And I'm going to confess it out loud. I matter to God. And 66 days later, you made a road in your mind. And now thoughts, true thoughts can travel on that road. And the more they travel on that road, the grass grows over the paths of the past. Now, this is the greatest news of all time. I mean, I'm just trying to read people's faces. This is the greatest news of all. That when the scripture tells us that we can renew our minds to the truth, that God understood neuroscience before we did. And he knew that you've got more power than the enemy wants you to believe that you have. And you are not the permanently formed product of the negative things that have been spoken over you and the paths that other people tried to plant in your mind. And you are not the permanently formed product of the negative things that you have thought in your mind. That you still got time, praise God to change the way you think, to accept the invitation of Jesus and to sit down at the table with him. A few things about that, I want you just to know, you can rest easy because Jesus is the one who's prompting this relationship. He's the one who's inviting. It says in the verse that we were just reading, Psalm 23, five, that you 
prepare a table before me. See, religion says that I've got to go prepare a table before you. But Christianity says that you prepared a table before me. So you're not on the clock going, somehow I've got to figure out how to get into a relationship with God and get enough of the right things on the table and get the right kind of table and you know get the invitation just right to see if God will come and meet with me. No, God's already in motion, thank you very much, and God already has prepared the table before you right now in the presence of your enemies. So this is going to be true of you, whether you accept the invitation and, and say yes to the RSVP or not, right now there is a table prepared before you because God is the mover in this equation. He's the initiator. He is the one who has started this process and he wants you to know that he is prioritizing a relationship with you. Now in this, there's something powerful. And I want you, if you have your scripture to look at a Uh, Hebrews 11, and uh, your Bible should fold there pretty easily because we spent several weeks together in this chapter. But there's one more character that I want to surface that we can focus on in this idea of faith. And we're going to see two things in the life of this person. One, we're going to see what God's looking for in your life and in my life. And secondly, we're going to see something that, I mean, if creating a new way of thinking didn't blow your mind, we're going to see something that really, truly is mind-boggling. And we're looking at this person whose name is Enoch, and we find him in verse 5. It says, by faith, that's when you're supposed to tap your neighbor, but I know that was a long time ago. Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. Now, this is pretty great. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. You're like, well, how do you please God? Verse six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, to God, must A, believe that he exists and that he, God, rewards those who earnestly seek him. So what is God looking for? Well, we know in the case of Enoch, who's in this chapter among people who did great things, and and Enoch also did great things, by the way. You can find that in Jude 14 at the end of the Bible. This guy was a legend in an ungodly error. He stood up and he held fast to the things of God. So he wasn't just a mystic that lived out in the desert cave and uh, was pleasing to God. He really did live out a life of faith. But the reason why he's commended for faith is because he understood two things. Number one, by faith, he believed in God. And number two, by faith, he believed if you seek God, you'll be rewarded by God. Now, let's talk about the first one real fast because that seems like that's a big barrier uh, that God exists. And I'm pleased. I, I, I welcome anyone seeking, does God exist today? I welcome that question. God welcomes the question. We all have it. Everybody on planet Earth wants to know if there's a God. But the answer to the question is not as complicated as we make it. Somebody says, well, how can you prove God exists? People say that all the time. Can you prove God exists? And I'm like, yes. How? By the fact that you just asked me that question. Again, this is not Christian simpleton trying to belittle people and shrink arguments down. People are legitimately trying to find God. 
And I am legitimately saying, because you asked me the question, can I prove God exists? Yes, you just proved God exists. Well, how did I do that? Because billions of neurons in your brain just organized in such a way to move all the muscles in your mouth and tongue into motion. You formed a thought and then you spoke words. And your words traveled on sound waves through the atmosphere into my ears. And the little teeny tiny bones and eardrum in my ear processed the sound waves, converted them to information, communicated them to the millions of neurons in my brain, and I understood the language that you were speaking and the question that you asked. And I also could assign meaning to the sounds that were coming my way. And then we were having communication about an existential question that you asked that was looking for meaning outside of earth. Thank you for proving that God exists. Now, if I were to respond to you, millions of other things just happened. If I were to reach out at the end of our conversation and shake your hand and say, it's nice to meet you, millions more miracles just happened. If you were to go and walk your way and I was to go and walk my way, millions more miracles would happen and we would both still be wondering the existential question of all and stuff that just bubbles up out of the soup doesn't ask existential questions about the meaning of life. But secondly, by faith, I believe that this God who does exist will reward you if you seek him. In other words, if you realize there is a table and you know who's sitting at the table and you respond and say, well, then I'm going to join you at the table because I believe being with you at the table is the greatest choice I can make in life. Then you are going to go down in the record books and the annals of history as someone who was pleasing to God. Now, all of us are going to live, but that's not simply the goal. All of us are going to do good things. That's not simply the goal. Genesis 5 is where we find Enoch. And, I mean, we're barely a few pages into the scripture, and here he comes on the scene, chapter 5 of Genesis. And this is one of those chapters that, you know, just, you just want to get into and get all the details of, because, boy, isn't it fascinating to know the lineage from Adam to Noah. Whoo! Let's go. So let's save time. Just jump in. Verse 9, when Enish had lived 90 years, we got some guys before him, but we'll just start here because it kind of has got a theme, you'll see it. He became the father of Kenan, and after he became the father of Kenan, Enish lived 815 years, had other sons and daughters all together. Enish lived 905 years, and say it with me, and then he died. That's your part. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahaliel, and after he became the father of Mahaliel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters altogether. Kenan lived 910 years and then he died. When Mahaliel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. And uh, Jared, as we know, started a, uh, 
a jewelry business, um, which has been very successful. And after he became the father of Jared, Mahalia lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalia lived 895 years, and then he died. There's a theme developing here. When Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch, and after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Jared lived 962 years, and then he died. Are you with us, Cumberland? Thank you. Awesome. Feels good. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah, and after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. He had other sons and daughters all together. Get ready for your part. Enoch lived 365 years and... Hmm. Hmm. One of the greatest verses in Scripture. Enoch did not die. We already know this. Spoiler alert because we just read it in Hebrews 11. Enoch walked with God... Then he was no more because God took him away. And you can continue on down to the guys below. What is the theme of their life? They lived and they died. 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 There's nothing wrong with living and dying. That's what we're all going to do. Only a few people in the story of scripture were taken away. And Enoch was one of them. And it says about him, not that he lived and he died. It says that he walked with God. What is it that will be said about you when you are gone? Will it simply be said that you lived or will it be said that you walked? On your tombstone, will it say that you lived and you died or will it say that you walked while you were here? I went and dug under this word walk, and I wanted to understand it, and I found the Hebrew word, it's the word halak, and it means to go, to come, to walk. The first time halak is in scripture, you say, we're already in Genesis 5, got to be right there, right? No, Genesis 3 is the first time we see it in scripture. Remember Adam and Eve? Adam was created, by the way, and given work, so work is important. We're not saying that today. He was given work. You're going to run the garden. You're going to steward all of the creation that I've made and shown you. So you have a role and a purpose and a job. But then uh, Adam and Eve kind of messed everything up. And it says down in chapter 3 that God came halak. He came walking in the cool of the day. So all along, he had intended work and walk, work and walk, work and walk. Work and walk were right in the very first part of the story. So he's not preparing a desk before us in the presence of our enemies and just saying, sit down and do the job. He's preparing a table before us in the presence of the enemy saying, I want to have a relationship with you. Walk, meaning to, to go, to come, to walk, halak. Some other usages, check it out. I just grabbed a few of them because there are a lot. To access, to accompany, to attend, to come near, to come and let us go, continue, desires, flow, follow, to get up, to go at once, to lead, to, uh, to be led, to live, to march, to move, to parade, to press heavier, to proceed steadily, surely go, travel, walk around, went along continually. These are all under the definition halak when you dig under that word in the way it's translated in dif different places. So it could be said about Enoch that Enoch 
walked with God. Enoch had access to God. Enoch accompanied God. He attended God. He came near God. He, he heard when God said, come and let us go. He continued with God. He desired God. He was in the flow with God. He followed God. He got away with God. He went at once with God. He was led by God. He lived with God. He marched with God. He moved with God. He was in God's parade. He pressed heavier into God. He proceeded with God, steadily with God, surely went with God, traveled with God, walked around with God. Enoch went along continuously with God. He didn't just show up at the house of God occasionally. He didn't just scroll up through the verse of the day on the Bible app a few times a week. He continually marched, came near, accompanied, had access to, traveled, and walked around with God. And one day God said, you know what, Enoch, I love you so much. You're just coming up with me today. That was it. Just a little too tight of a squeeze, and Enoch was gone. And he was commended as one who was pleasing to God. I don't know if you get a marker if you just are taken up by God into heaven. But if you do, it's going to say on it, she was pleasing to God. He was pleasing to God. Why? What did he do? He walked with God. Again, we're not talking about being mystics out in la-la land. Because if you walk with God, guess what? God's going to walk into the places on earth that need light and hope. And you're going to be walking right beside him. He's going to build up his church and you're going to be building right beside him. If you walk with God, you're going to be busy. But you're going to be walking with God. And... is God. In other words, this is not a one-way street. Oh, I'm going to come to the table for 66 days because I'm going to be pleased by Jesus. No. Jesus can be moved by you. When he created us, he created us for communion, for relationship, for a table. And when we sit down, it makes him happy. And when we talk to him, it makes him laugh. And when we think about things together, he goes, yeah. And he says, I like you. I love you. I like spending time with you. It pleases me. So yes, we'll be changed, transformed, new neural pathways, truth, not enemy, the best, not the worst, gain, not loss, more, not less. Yes, all that's on the table because Jesus is more than enough. No matter what the circumstances externally or what's going on internally, there will always be enough at the table with Jesus. And so I'm just wondering if anybody's willing to step in and say, if it takes 66 days to create a new habit, 
I need a stronger habit of meeting with Jesus every single day. I need a stronger habit of sitting down at the table with the Prince of Peace every single day. I'm in, I'm committing, I'm going for it. I'm going to lean in for 66 days at the table with Jesus. I think the only reason we wouldn't is because maybe somebody in the gatherings today is already at another table. You've already got another shepherd. And somehow you're convinced, even though it's not working, that that's the place for you. And you're just bypassing the invitation that's right in front of you. Somebody, some relationship, something, something you're into. And it's just like, I'm, I'm already committed to another thing and I don't have space and time or even the, the desire, honestly, to sit down at a table with Jesus. And I'm just praying today that God will stir something in you. And maybe it's just a simple question. Is this table, is this table really been that good to me? Is this table really shepherding and leading me? And if the honest answer is no, then just say to God today, I need to change the way I think. And I'm gonna step in, I'm gonna start that process. Maybe for you, it's, it's just not a priority. You're not against God, it's just not a priority. And maybe that's the thing that you need to say to him today is I like you fine and I believe in everything that this guy is talking about, but it's just not a priority me. Getting to the, the gym, that is a priority. Getting my, my, my protein shake thing, that's a priority. Don't, don't catch me in between my powders. That's a priority. Uh, me, me getting up and being the first one to my work and knocking stuff out early and putting the first report on my boss's desk, that's a priority. Uh, me finishing this Netflix series I'm in right now, that is a priority. I'll skip meals if necessary. That's a priority. I, I put it up as a priority. But sitting down at a table with Jesus every day is just not a priority to me. And maybe you could just say that to him today because it's kind of the obvious and say, you know, Jesus, I'm sorry to say this, but it's really the truth. If I'm right down honest about it, you're not a priority to me. So I'm sorry about that. And I'm sorry I just left you hanging on your invitation. I'm over here with my hamster play date. I wanna change that. Will you put a new desire for a better priority in my heart today? And it's not a big promise, okay, I'm going in 66 days. Maybe your prayer today is, I'm just going in with God. Will you give me a new desire for a better priority? Some of you maybe not gonna take him up on this because there's too much shame in the story. It's like that first time you went back home to your family dinner after whatever went down and you kind of sat in the driveway for a minute and thought about it before you went through the door because you knew how that was gonna go down. And maybe that's what you're thinking right now is, I, I love the idea that Jesus is at this table, but man, when I get there, man, I'm a wreck. Well, the good news is Jesus got there before you and prepared it before you. And when you sit down, he's gonna welcome you with nail-scarred hands. Shame doesn't rule the table that Jesus prepares before you. Shame was undone at the table that Jesus prepares before you. The blood of the lamb is in the cup and the broken body of Jesus is on the platter 
the Prince of Peace who paid the debt is waiting for you at the table. And you can start building a new road there. I'm forgiven and guilt has no claim on me. I'm starting a new, a new road at the table with Jesus. Guilt has no claim on me. Why? Because it took him out. And then he prepared me a table. Some of you are not going to come to the table because uh, you're new here. And I just want to say to you, I'm so pumped that you're here. A lot, so many people um, in pandemic world found church online. So many people we've met here. I bet there's someone in this room right now here and at Cumberland and you're here at Passion City Church. Didn't know a thing about us until pandemic. And then somehow you found us online and went, well, that doesn't look terrible. I, 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 God kind of speaking to me. I think when you can, I'm gonna show up at that place. So many new people and so many new people to faith. So, so many new people into the equation. And um, I, I, I'm just saying, just come on, here we go. I love it. So many new people in the mix. And if you're new here and you're thinking, I know there's a table and I know Jesus has invited me and this sounds like an incredible opportunity, but I honestly, Lou, if, I, if I'm being honest today, I don't even know of Jesus. I don't even know who he is. I don't even know. I don't know if he's a son of God. I don't know if he's all these things we're going to celebrate, if he's fully God and fully man, if he's our glorious savior, if he's our friend, if he's Lord of all, if he's the king of kings. I, I don't know if he's our way to the father. I don't really know yet. Well, that's the most incredible thing of all. And I just want to invite you to lean in. It's 66 days, meaning it's one sixth of your year. And each of these devotions, you could probably do it in 15 minutes. And if you want to spend more time, dig into the scripture, great. If you want to do the questions at the end, spend a little time focusing on the memory verse, awesome. But it's just 66 days of your entire life. So if you don't even know who Jesus is, then A, welcome to Passion City Church. We are so glad that you are here today. Welcome to church. And you are totally welcome to step in with your questions and your investigation. There was a guy in, in the New Testament story who heard Jesus was coming through his town and he couldn't, he couldn't see over the people, so he climbed up a tree just trying to get a glimpse, just checking it out. And Jesus looked right at him, called him by his name, said, come down from the tree. I'm coming to your house and I'm gonna sit at your table. And then everybody murmured, he's the worst guy in town. Jesus said, well... I'm the best guy in town. When the best guy in town sits down on the worst guy in town, that's a good table right there. And I'm going to sit down at his table. I'm telling you, he did. And everything changed right in that moment. So if you're thinking, I'm, I, I, I don't even know enough to know if I can get into a devotion about Jesus, come on, step in. And I promise you, the, the, the worst thing that could happen is at the end of the 66 days, nothing could have happened. But I promise you, if you step in and tell him, Jesus, if you're real, show me who you are. He's going to open your eyes to see. I think the last thing, I'll just close and say this, that's why somebody's going to pass by this table today is because you've been there and you've done that. And I get it. We've all been... Uh, to enough camps and throwing enough sticks in the fire 
written all our sins out on a piece of paper and wadded it up, thrown it in the lake, drowned our sins under the, the waters. We've all come down aisles. We've all raised our hands. We've all stood up and we've all repeated, repeat after me. We've all done all of that stuff. And I know for somebody you're like, Louie, I want this so bad, but you know what? I've been there and I've done that. And I don't know, I've got a voice telling me right now, this ain't gonna work. You do have a voice telling you that. 100% the enemy is telling you that. Do not believe that if you earnestly seek God, he will reward you. <laughs> and you've got a choice right now to start making a new path in your mind. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not gonna believe that. I'm gonna agree with God. He said, if I believe he exists, which I do, and I believe he earnestly, if he rewards those who earnestly seek him, then I will. I do and I will, I do and I will, I do and I will. And I believe at the end of this journey, I am gonna be different. I believe our relationship, mine and Jesus gonna be different. I believe he's gonna be delighted with me and I'm gonna be delighted with him. And I am stepping in to the truth and the invitation of God. I am going to decide today not to ignore the invitation, but I'm gonna click on the RS. VP and I'm going to respond if you play. And I'm going to say yes. If you prepared a table before me, I'm sitting down with you. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, Visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.